All right, church. Take your Bibles and let's go uh, Philippians chapter 2. This morning, we're going to be working through verses 19 through 30. And as you're finding your place in Scripture, just give a quick walkthrough and overview over where we've been so you understand where we're at today. Philippians chapter 1, the motto would have been Christ first. In chapter 2, we discover the motto is others are next. What we've learned in chapter 1 is that the secret to joy, in spite of our circumstances, is in having a single mind. The single mind devotion that says, no matter what it is that you're experiencing, no matter what it is you're about to face, that single mind devotion says that you will glorify God in and through all things, and you will seek to share the gospel with those that are in need. Now, in chapter 2, we've discovered... The secret to joy in spite of other people is in having a submissive mind. And so back in verse number 5, Paul writes and he says, Have this mind among yourselves. In other words, that we're to take the attitude and the mindset of our Lord and Savior and we're to embrace it for ourselves. And so that's why last week we kind of walked through on what that looks like. How do you take the attitude of our Lord and embrace it for yourself? Well, in verses uh, 12 and 13, we discover that first and foremost, we're told to work it out. We're to work out our salvation. We don't work for salvation. No, we work out the salvation that has been given to us. Hi, Canaan. I see you, buddy. In verse number 13, it says, For it is God who works in you. God works in us both to will and to work for his good pleasure. See, salvation is God's work. Salvation is not something that we can manufacture or produce for ourselves. Only God can enlighten our minds to hear and to receive the truth. Only God can move our wills so that we can accept the truth. Salvation is not something that can be manufactured by men. It is a gift. It is a gift from God. That's why it says in Ephesians chapter 2, For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not of your own doing, it is the gift of God, not the results of works, so that no one may boast. So Paul is calling for us to work out what God has worked in us. And then he tells us in verse number 14 to knock it off. And what are we supposed to knock off? We're supposed to knock it off. We're supposed to quit with the arguing and the complaining, the grumbling and the disputing. It was interesting that after the service last week, as we had a little time of prayer at the end of the service, I asked you to raise your hand if you struggle with complaining. And one person at the end of the service was like, was that the only one? And I was like, oh, if you only knew. A lot of us struggle with having that complaining spirit. I'm just curious. You don't have to raise your hand. Everybody's looking. I get that. I'm wondering, those of you that identified that for yourself last week, did you catch yourself this week in that complaining spirit? And when you count yourself, did you not just chuckle, oh yeah, isn't that cute, that's me? Or did you try to correct it? I hope that you're trying to correct it as you discover it. See, when we complain and we grumble, we reveal ultimately that we don't think God is doing a really good job at His job. And if given the opportunity, we would do things differently or perhaps better than we perceive God as doing. 
So we need to trust in the sovereignty of our Lord. We need to trust that God is sovereign over all things because he is. He's sovereign over the good, and he's also sovereign over the seasons of our life that are trying, difficult, and demanding. And so when we work it out, the salvation that God works in us, and when we knock it off, the arguing and the complaining, then we're able to ultimately let it shine. And that's what verses 15 and 18 were all about. It's a call for us to let, let it shine. But how do we as people shine as light in the world? And Paul says, according to verse number 16, it's by holding fast to the word of life. In other words, God's people can help to dispense the darkness of sin by living and spreading the light of the gospel. So in our passage this morning, please understand that that Paul is still addressing the submissive mindset. He's already given us a description of the submissive mind in verses 1 through 11. Not only has he given us the description, he's also given us the ultimate example of that of our Lord. Then in verses 12 through 18, he walks through the dynamics of having a submissive mind. Now he's going to introduce us to two of his helpers. He's going to introduce us to Timothy and Epaphroditus. I believe that he does so in order, in order to show us what a submissive mind ultimately looks like. I think that, yeah, we already saw in verses 1 through 11 how Jesus Christ is the ultimate example. But I think Paul had this understanding in the realization that his readers and even uh, later in future generations like us today, we could have this uh, attitude or if we're not careful, we could have this belief that says, oh, well, of course Jesus had the submissive mind. That's Jesus. You know, he's the son of God. I'm just a a fallen creature struggling day by day. And I think that's why Paul gives us additional examples of what a a submissive mindset actually looks like. And that's why he gives us the example of, of the people that he knows very well. He uses two people that are, for no other um, language, just ordinary people. Just, just a a couple of, of, of believers who were truly submitted and surrendering their lives to our Lord and Savior. I think Paul does this because he wants us to know that a, a submissive mind is not something that's just a luxury that's experienced by some chosen few individuals. Rather, it is a necessity that is to be developed in and through all of us. And so let's start with Timothy. Look at verse number 19. He writes and he says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth. How as soon as, uh, I'm sorry, how as a son with a father He has served with me in the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him just as soon as I I see how it will go with me. And I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. Here's what you need to understand. That Paul is deeply concerned with the Philippian church. He's deeply concerned about the church and its members. He's deeply concerned because he deeply loves them. 
He has a genuine care and concern for the people. And he longs to be there with them, to minister alongside of them, to help them address some some difficult things that were in existence within the church. Paul wanted nothing more than to be there with his people. But he couldn't. He had certain limitations. Namely, he was locked up. He was in jail. He was imprisoned in Rome. Therefore, he wasn't able to be with the people, although in his heart, that's what he desperately longed to do. So what could he do? Since he couldn't be there himself, he plans to do the next best thing, and that is to send someone who would go on his behalf. And in consideration of who it would be that he would send, he identifies Timothy. Because Timothy cares for the church, And he cares for the believers just as much as Paul did. Look back at verse number 20. It says, For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. Verse 20 reveals that that Timothy was genuinely concerned for the church and its people. His care and concern arose from deep within. Timothy was authentic. His love for the church was real. It wasn't something that was just casual. It was the the sincere heart that he felt for the church. And then Paul makes this interesting statement. Yeah, he identifies Timothy and how his concern is genuine, but then he makes an interesting statement in verse number 21. Check it out. Verse 21 says, For they all seek their own interest, not those of Jesus Christ. He's talking about the other believers. The other believers in Rome. As Paul looked around and as he heard news and as he became aware of what was happening, his response or his diagnosis of the church and its members there in Rome is that they were all after things for themselves. They were all seeking after their own interest. And I'm going to be honest, this is an ongoing issue today. There are so few people within the heart and the life of the church that have fully committed themselves to a lifelong desire or pursuit of selfless service and true, genuine sacrifice. We have a tendency, if we're not careful, to be more concerned with our own interests to be more concerned about our own desires, to put our personal preference ahead of anyone and everything else, instead of being concerned with the best interest of the church, at times we appear to be more concerned with our own personal agendas. And so Paul looks and and he notices that that the believers there, they were concerned about themselves uh, Uh, They didn't have a a true, genuine concern about the needs of others. And I think Paul's words are a scathing rebuke on the awfulness of the sin of selfishness. Surely, certainly, there had to be hundreds of believers there in Rome. Why do I feel confident of that? Well, if you read through Romans chapter 16, Paul greets 26 of them by name in that one chapter. And yet here, he he writes and he says, they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. 
But Timothy was different. Timothy did not seek his own way. Timothy denied himself. He he had not fallen into the trap that had ensnared so many other believers. Timothy's primary concern was in the ministry and the mission of the church. And his co-concern was in the welfare of the congregation. And overwhelmingly, the Christian community of Rome were seeking after their own thing. They were pursuing their own way. And yet here Timothy was as a shining example for everyone else of a person that was fully pursuing Matthew 6, verse number 33. There it says, to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. So the question becomes, that's Timothy, sure. What about you? What is your desire? What is it that you are genuinely chasing after? Are you seeking after your own desires? Or are you seeking and pursuing the kingdom of God? Let me ask it this way. Could it be said of you that your primary concern in life is in the ministry and the mission of the church? Could others look at you and say that your primary concern is in the welfare of the body of Christ. If that's not what's driving us, then what is driving you? Timothy stands as an example of what it looks like to have that submissive mind. The mindset that says, yeah, Christ first, others next. And I'm going to pursue, I'm going to love, I'm going to encourage, I'm going to live a sacrificial life so that the kingdom of God can advance and the church can be strengthened. Now, now that's that's Timothy. That's one example. Let's look at the other example. The other example is that of Epaphroditus. Begin verse number 25. Verse 25 says, "I, I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother, and fellow worker, and fellow soldier, and your messenger, and minister to my need. For he has been longing for you all, and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near to death. But God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am the more eager to send him. Therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy, and honor such men, for he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. So here we read about Epaphroditus. What we know about Epaphroditus is that he was a member of the church in Philippi. He risked his life, he risked his health in order to carry their their missionary love offering from Philippi to Paul in Rome. In fact, since your Bible is already open to the book of Philippians, uh, turn a page over to Philippians chapter 4. In verse number 18, Paul says, I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. 
like Timothy, Epaphroditus had a concern for other people. To begin with, he had a concern with Paul. So when he heard that, that Paul was a prisoner in Rome, that he arose from within the church, volunteering to, to take the offering that was collected so that he could go and he could stand by Paul's side and assist him in his time of need. So he carried that love gift from the church. He carried that, protecting it with his own life. And I think that the church today needs men and women who are burdened for missions, who are willing to go to those difficult places of Christian service in order to assist, in order to stand side by side with other people so that the kingdom of God can spread throughout this whole world. I think sometimes we get way too comfortable and cozy in our own little place that we're not willing to go beyond that and to enter into a place of potential danger in order to help those that have needs. One of the problems that exists within the church today, within our church as well, is that we have way too many spectators and not enough participants. We have a whole slew of lists of available opportunities and not enough people willing to say, hey, I'm in. We have shortages of, of teaching responsibilities. We've got shortages in almost every area probably of ministry. The idea that I believe and I think is supported by Scripture It's quite simply that if you're a child of God, then you have a place of service that God has given you, an assignment from our Lord. Because He gives you the Holy Spirit. And one of the things that the Holy Spirit does is gives you the special gift that you need in order to carry out the mission that God has placed in your life. Every member of the church is a minister of the gospel, called to serve in some capacity and in some way. And far too many churches are filled with people that simply show up to check it out and then go on about living their lives. And that's not the way it's supposed to be. Epaphroditus, he was not content with simply giving to the offering. No, he gave himself in order to carry that offering. Here we have a man that was burdened for Paul Not only was he burdened for Paul, he was burdened for his own church. After arriving in Rome, somehow, someway, he became ill. Apparently, extremely ill, that he barely escapes death. Ultimately, this delays his return back to the church. Because of that long delay, the people at home began to be concerned about the location and the delay that Epaphroditus was was taking. And look at verse number 26. And this is just a little bit of insight into who Epaphroditus was. In verse 26, it says, For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Notice that that he wasn't burdened for himself. He was burdened because he believed that his sickness caused his home church to have a burden for him. Now he's burdened because they're burdened because of his sickness. Now Epaphroditus, he had a love for Paul. He had a love for others. He had a love for the church. And like Timothy, 
that love overflowed with a natural concern for each other. I think God is calling all of us to develop within ourselves a natural concern for our church. A genuine concern for our community. And ultimately, a concern that extends beyond the church into our community and throughout this country. Epaphroditus was a blessing to Paul. He was a blessing to his own church. And he's a blessing to us today. Epaphroditus, to me, he proves what what a joyful life of service and sacrifice, what it truly looks like. I think that he and Timothy both proved to us that having a submissive mind really does work. I think a lot of the times our Christian life is characterized by one of two verses that we've already read through in Philippians chapter 1 and Philippians chapter 2. Either we have a tendency to be Philippians 2.21 believers or we have a tendency to be 121 believers. Check them out. 221 says, For they all seek their own interest, not those of Jesus Christ. Whereas 121 says, For to me, to live is Christ and to die has so much gain. Which believer are you? Are you the one that that gets so caught up in that 221 mindset, seeking after your own interests, pursuing after your own thing, getting frustrated, bitter, angry when someone doesn't follow what you think is right? Or are you 121? Fully submitted and surrendered your life to sacrificial service and devotion for our Lord. Do you live with the awareness that to live is Christ and to die is gain? To live is Christ means, man, God's blessed you with another day, another opportunity. Go be a blessing. Be a blessing to anyone that you can. Be a blessing to all people. Live and demonstrate the sacrificial life that God has called us to. That's who we're supposed to be. But if we're not careful, we get our eyes off of that and we begin to pursue personal agendas and that just distracts us from doing what God's called us to do. Like we need to have that single mind devotion. We need to develop within ourselves the submissive mind. And then next week as we begin to to start to unpack chapter 3, we're going to see that the secret to joy in spite of things is having a spiritual mind. But we're never going to be able to fully develop the spiritual mind if we haven't first developed that single mind devotion followed by having the submissive mindset that we've all been called to. Like I got to tell you that this church is something special. That there's something really unique about this place. In our Sunday school class that I was in this morning, we took time as we began to start off, try to get to know each other a little bit better. There are a few new people to the class, and they're being very kind to us, and, and, and they're not being, you know, they, they, they warmly welcomed us, which isn't a surprise to, to most of you. 
But as we, we took time this morning, we went around in, in the big giant circle and we began to share what is the one thing that stands out to you as, as being a, a blessing since you've been here at First Baptist Kingsland. You know, share a story. What's the one thing? What's your favorite memory since you've been here? And it's so interesting that time and time again, the universal theme of everyone that shared was the love that's found in this place. The, the fact that they're true people that they can turn to in their time of need and without hesitation, they know that they are loved, that they are encouraged, that they are prayed for. But that's, that's awesome. That's something special. Now, my favorite memory I share with them was Wednesday night. That was really cool. I mean, I wasn't expecting all that. To walk into the courtyard over there and to see so many people there that were just there simply to say, hey, we're glad you're finally all here. And it's a, it's a beautiful place to, to live and to serve. But I want so much more from us. And I think we have a lot more that we can give. You know, the church is only going to be as strong as its weakest member. And I don't want to be the weak link in this chain. I want to, I want to be strong. I want to, I want to lead the right way. I want to live the right example. But I'm also encouraging you to, to join me in that pursuit. And so in order for us to live a life of, of, of full devotion, of service and sacrifice, we have to begin to understand that Christ is first, always has been, always will be. And we need to value other people. Not just the people that look like us, that talk like us, that dress like us, that are from our little neighborhood. All people. Like we've got the answer that our community needs. We've got the hope that they're turning to other things in pursuit of finding hope. They're turning to other things, trying to find peace. But the only hope and peace that's ever going to be found is through a relationship in and through Jesus Christ the Lord. And we know that answer. But now that we know that answer, we ought to be motivated to get out there and share the truth with everybody. It's not just my responsibility to proclaim the gospel in this community. If you're a child of God, it's yours too. It's all of ours coming together. And sometimes we do a great job. Sometimes we, we butcher it up. You ever been there? Yeah. And what do we do from there? Well, we learn from our experience and we do better the next time. You know, somebody always says, well, you know, I, I'd rather just live the gospel. You know, it's easier for me to live it instead of telling it. And I think that's so inadequate. That's not enough. Yes, we're supposed to live out what we believe, and we, need, we ought to be living it out. But ultimately, we have to speak the truth. We have to be willing to tell people what it is that makes you different. We have to be able to tell people why it is that you have this hope and this peace that exists within you. We have to be willing to talk and to share. There's so many of us, I think we're just afraid that we're not good communicators. Or I don't have enough education. Or I haven't been to seminary. Let me give you something. This ought to help you. 
You know what you do have if you're a child of God? You got the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is far greater than any seminary education. Better than any book you can read. The Holy Spirit that lives within you. The Holy Spirit desires to work Himself in completion through your life. You don't have the words to say, you're right. Submit and surrender yourself to the will of God and allow the Holy Spirit to speak through you. Don't underestimate the value of the Holy Spirit. The strength of the Holy Spirit. The purpose of the Holy Spirit. And if you're a child of a king, then you've got the Spirit. And the Spirit of God doesn't come and go. The Spirit of God is permanent. Just like your salvation. It doesn't come and go. Salvation is permanent. It is eternally secure. Do you believe? Have you put your faith in Jesus Christ? If so, will you commit yourself to the single mind devotion that seeks to glorify God in and through every circumstance and share the gospel with everyone? And when you do that, you'll develop that submissive mind that'll put other people first. And then you'll be a blessing. God's blessed us. We're to bless other people. We kind of close our service out with that benediction every single week. I have been blessed, therefore go and be a blessing. I have been loved, therefore go and demonstrate the love of God to all people. I have been forgiven, therefore forgive everyone. And you don't wait for them to ask for forgiveness. You're to forgive right away. Because that's what Jesus did for us. And we're to forgive in the like manner that Christ forgave us. So He forgives us completely. He forgives us permanently. So may we as God's children love others. May we be a blessing to others. May we forgive all people at all times. Let's pray, church. Father, thank You for this place. Thank You for the example of Timothy and Epaphroditus. For their care and their concern for the ministry and the mission of the church as well as the welfare of the congregation, Father. May we embrace that mindset for ourselves. Father, may we stop being spectators and may we join in the fight. Finding our place of service. Trusting that you have called and equipped us to carry that service out. God, I thank you for the love for the care and the concern that's demonstrated in this place. But God, may we not limit our care and concern by those that are in this church. But now, Father, may we do an excellent job of taking our care and concern within the church and spreading it through this community. There are many in this place, Father, right now that need to make decisions in this moment. There are some that have been attending and they need to just... Uh, stop the attending and, and, and make that commitment of membership, Father. Say, this is my church. I support the ministry of this church, the direction this church is going. I believe in, in the theology of this church, and so I come and, and I join. Others who are, are struggling with sin, 
We got a lot of sin strugglers today, Father. We just need to be honest about it. Father, I pray that you will give us a spirit of freedom in this time. Give us a willingness to confess our sin, to seek repentance from that sin. May we turn to one another for, for encouragement and for accountability. And Father, there are, there are many that are here that don't. Father, I pray for salvation today. For salvation, for strength, for submissive spirits, Father. Be glorified in this time of invitation. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Let's stand together as we, we sing just a little bit. If there's any decisions or any prayers that you'd like to receive in this time, we invite you to come forth.